The world of agriculture technology is vast and constantly evolving, with new innovations and companies emerging at a rapid pace. At AgTech Media Group, we understand the importance of staying updated and connected in this dynamic industry, and that's why we're thrilled to announce the launch of our new AgTech Company Directory, a comprehensive and user-friendly resource designed to help you navigate the complex landscape of AgTech innovators. More than just a list, it's a curated collection of companies leading the charge in transforming the AgTech sector from startups pioneering new farming methods to established companies adopting cutting-edge technologies. Our directory spans a wide range of leaders dedicated to advancing agriculture through technology. Whether you're a farmer looking for the latest in crop monitoring tools, an investor seeking promising ag tech startups, or a researcher interested in sustainable farming practices, ag tech directory is designed to cater to your specific needs. You can filter by sector, technology, size, or location to find exactly what you're looking for. To learn more and to claim your company listing, visit agtechcompanies.com. If you are starting a vertical farm and don't know where to begin or which technology would suit your needs, then reach out to the experts at Cultivated. As indoor farm brokers, they help connect you to the right technology and ensure your project is successful. Best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Visit cultivated.com to learn more. And that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com or click the link in the show notes. Honestly, because it was very corporate and I saw the corporate ladder, you know, and the corporate ceiling. And I just decided, you know, at that time I, I was married with children hadn't come yet and everything, but I was getting married. And we saw an opportunity. My wife was working in the same industry. That's where I met her. And we had an opportunity where she had a job and we thought, well, you know, I didn't want to do the corporate thing anymore. Can we just try and start a little company? And it worked. Welcome to the Vertical Farming Podcast, weekly conversations with fascinating CEOs, founders, and ad tech visionaries. Join us every week as we dive deep into the world of vertical farming with your host, Harry Duran. Vertical Farming Podcast, Season 5. Welcome back. First time listeners, you are in the right place if you're looking for a show where we speak to fascinating CEOs and founders of the leading vertical farming companies from around the world. I'm your host, Harry Duran. In case you missed last week's episode, we spoke to Stephen Eves, the CEO and founder of Volt Server. And Stephen joined the show to share over 20 years of experience in the energy industry, his passion for doing things that have never done before, and why and how he ended up being an expert in battery management, power electronics, and energy infrastructure. He has 15 patents issued or pending related to energy storage and power conversion. As you might imagine, we geeked out a lot about electricity and power and the need for that in the vertical farming industry. We talk about the origin story of Volt Server and the technology behind digital electricity. I had the pleasure of meeting Stephen at Indoor Ag Tech NYC last week. I met Stephen and his brother James, had a, a blast. I'll be talking more about the event and to be honest, so excited with the opportunities that happened as a result of Indoor AgCon NYC. So shout out to them for partnering with me and probably lined up close to 20 new interviews. So it's going to be interesting. I got to get everything in order and do my outreach, but I'm really excited about the opportunities that are there to tell those stories. This week, we keep the stories going with Brian Sullivan, the CEO of Indoor AgCon. Speaking of conferences, I was at Indoor AgCon in Las Vegas my first vertical farming conference, and I really had a blast, and I'm sure I'll be making it out there next year. He joins the show to share his experience in event management and what led him to acquire Indoor AgCon, one of the premier trade show and conferences for indoor vertical farming and CEA. 
In this episode, we discuss the highs and lows of the events industry, the resilience Brian showed through the course of a pandemic, and the importance Brian places on problem solving and fostering a familial type culture among his team. Very interested to have this conversation as I wanted to know what it is that he saw in terms of the opportunities in this industry, and the conversation does not disappoint. This episode is brought to you by the Vertical Farming Weekly Newsletter. Each week, our team member Noah brings you the latest and greatest in the world of vertical farming. It's also how you're notified when new episodes are available, so please sign up today at verticalfarmingweekly.com. If you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, I'd love it if you leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFB. I'd love to read yours out next. The show has been growing steadily, but I want to make a heartfelt request to you as the listener. If this is a new show for you, or if you are a longtime listener, if you're getting value from these episodes, one of the best ways to increase the listenership of a show is when someone who is listening to the show currently recommends it to a friend. So if you are in this space and you're getting value, I'd love it if you just recommend it to one person this week, Vertical Farming Podcast. We love to see those listenership numbers grow over the course of the weeks and the months, and I appreciate your help in getting us there. Okay, let's jump into this conversation with Brian Sullivan. So Brian Sullivan, CEO of Indoor Icon, thank you so much for joining me on the Vertical Farming Podcast. Yeah, great to see you today. A special shout out to Suzanne from Indoor Icon who connected us. Uh, I was able to attend my first Indoor Icon at my first vertical farming conference ever <laughs> in Las Vegas. And I'm pretty new to the space, started the show in 2020, but uh, it, it was a really fun experience. And then I we were chatting because we were um, doing a little bit of sponsorship with the event. And I, I, I was, I'm always interested in, as regular listeners will know, in origin stories. And I thought, well, let's let's get Brian on and let's let's see how this all got started. <laughs> but maybe for the benefit of the listener, where's home for you right now? Well, uh, first of all, you mentioned Suzanne Pruitt, so I just have to say, you know, Suzanne, yeah. the best thing she does is tell me no, and so it's uh, <laughs> it's great. She really kind of keeps a guide on us embedded in the in the industry, so it's really good. But my origin is is I'm a, I've been a special event producer for many years, and I live in Trumbull, Connecticut, so which is I'm about halfway between New York. York City and Boston. So we're in and out of those cities quite often. I know of Trumbull. I grew up in Yonkers. So home is uh, Minneapolis now, but I grew up in Yonkers, New York. So I'm very familiar with the Northeast. <laughs> ah, you're right. That was right down the street. I can actually be on yeah. 42nd Street in an hour. So it's, uh, we go through Yonkers to get there. <laughs> so, so it's, uh, I love it. Yeah. And the beauty of uh, that corridor is the, the train system, like, you know, the Metro North commuter railroad train. You don't have to live in the city to have the city within, an, like to your point, an hour's reach away. And so it's really nice between Connecticut and uh, upstate New York. Yeah. One hour to 42nd Street. I can take a 10-minute drive to Fairfield, Connecticut, uh, get on the train. And then if you get the express trains, you can get a local, which will take you longer. But in one hour, you can be on 42nd Street. Literally, in Times, you know, a couple blocks away is Times Square, and uh, you're really sitting in the heart of Manhattan. Did you grow up in Connecticut? I did. My parents were born one street apart from each other in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and they moved to Trumbull, Connecticut. And I am from a large family. I'm number five of eight uh, kids, so we have. We do uh, big golf outings and things that we call dozens of cousins of because <laughs> we literally have dozens <laughs> of cousins. And so the, where I was brought up is really only about a mile away from me and all my family is in and around here. You know, we've all kind of left and, and come back, but somehow we've all ended up, you know, back very close. Do you remember the first time 
or your first foray into New York City? I do. That's when I was in my, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. And I'm not sure we tell those stories in public anymore. So because <laughs> <laughs> the, the pack I ran with. <laughs> I say that because I grew up in Yonkers. And for those who don't know, there's the five boroughs, there's Manhattan, which everyone is most familiar with. And then you have the Bronx. And then once you leave the Bronx, you're in Yonkers. So it's the first city outside of Manhattan. So New York City was my backyard. And I was just like, there's parts of uh, Yonkers is very hilly. So there's parts of Yonkers where you can see New York City, at, you know, you can see the skyline. And so it was, it was uh, beckoning to me. And I, I do remember like always, as soon as I got my driver's license, <laughs> I was like, I have to go check it out. And the trains make it easy too. So it, it, energetically, I mean, it was just a fun experience. And I, I remember the feeling and I, I still love big cities. I've lived in LA as well. There's something about stepping into New York City where you just, you feel like the pulse and the energy of the city, which I really enjoy. It's the same story, Harry, that I had is, you know, I'm a little further away on it, but the excitement of, of going into the city and, and being a part of the, the beating heart was quite a, always kind of a thrill. He would go in, hang out, and actually it could be home before morning at times. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, before the sun came up, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> What's funny about that? railroad system, the Metro North is the last one out of uh, Grand Central is midnight or one. And if you missed it, you'd have to hang out in Grand Central until 6am. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't have Uber <laughs> back in those no. days. <laughs> Just very expensive cabs. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Exactly. Oh, too funny. So how did you get into the events business? Is that something that you studied in college? I'm curious about how that started. You know, I literally tripped and fell. I was in a position that I wasn't happy with, and I was working for a manufacturing organization, and I was in customer service, and I, I really just wasn't happy. And a headhunter called me, and it was a little unusual because he was an engineering headhunter. And I said, for me, engineering, I'm not that much. He goes, no, I got this thing that I want you to go and check out. And I, I worked for, or I came in, and he said, I want you to interview for this organization called Connor's Exhibition Group and everything. I said, well, I don't know anything about it. He goes, just go. Well, the short story is that I went in for the interview and I liked it. And I saw that the vice president liked me. So I accepted the job. He never offered me the job. I accepted the job. I said, okay, <laughs> I'm ready to start on Monday. Do you want me? And he said, oh, no, we need a we have a few more interviews and things, and I will let you know. Well, before I got home from the interview, they called and they said, yeah, we do want you to start on Monday. So, <laughs> so that's how I got into the industry. And the rest is I fell in love with the industry. It really is lights, camera, action. You know, it's buildup and it's creating something again and again. And it's there's always a twist. There's always excitement and there's, you know, business is transacted there. So there's, I've seen companies that have started with a widget get sold for millions and millions of dollars and, you know, companies that may have not made it, you know. So it's exciting. You know, uh, we're in Las Vegas with Indoor AgCon, but I've done events in New York, Chicago, Miami, you know, across the Singapore, you know, we even did Indoor Ag in, in Singapore yeah. one year. So it's every city is different. And it's not like throwing a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese or something like that. We just call up and get, there's, <laughs> there, there's a lot of details yeah. that go into it. And, you know, the devil is in the details. But if you know those details and get, get through them, it's a great, great environment. So 
I'm curious, Brian, when you, you got that job, you started, that was your first foray into the event space. How many years passed or what was the path for you to start to figure out, you know, what, that this is something you wanted to do on your own, start your own company and, and start to, you know, sponsor and, and throw your own events? I, Connor's Exhibition Group was the company that I worked for and the show that I was born onto was the National Hardware Show. And within a few years of me working on that, it, it was actually the third largest trade show in North America. So I got a lot of experience on it and I worked for them. They were purchased by the Reed Exhibition Group. But then I left. You know, I started there in 1988 and I left in 1994, honestly, because it was very corporate and I saw the corporate ladder, you know, and a corporate ceiling. And I just decided, you know, at that time I, I was married with children hadn't come yet and everything, but I was getting married. And we saw an opportunity. My wife was working in the same industry. That's where I met her. And we had an opportunity where she had a job and we thought, well, you know, I didn't want to do the corporate thing anymore. Can we just try and start a little company? And it worked. We left and started contracting to help organizations uh, do things. And we launched a couple of uh, shows and things, some that worked and some that didn't. But, you know, that's the education of entrepreneurship. And it, eventually it worked for us to have contracts and then launch trade shows. There's, I've worked in the gourmet food industry in the trade show event. Uh, we, we did an event. One of the first successes I had was we launched an event called SATCON, S-A-T-C-O-N, which was satellite application technology. So, you know, they say this isn't rocket science. Well, this was rocket science. <laughs> And it turned into a great event. It was satellite communications. But the biggest thing that hit it back then was, you know, government and broadcasters. So we actually morphed it from satellites into a broadcasting show at the Javits Center in New York City. And we, yeah, that's where we held it. And eventually we sold it to the, to NAB, the National Association of Broadcasters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been there as well. They're an an enormous uh, organization. And it's now, it still exists. The name has changed. I think they call it NAB East now. And it's the largest broadcasting event on the East Coast right now. Of course, you know, in the country, they own the largest one in Vegas. So it's been exciting. It's been, you know, a great education because, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, putting on a good event is a lot of details on it. There's a lot of things you have to make sure, you know, lights, camera, action, signs, registration, everybody's name has to be spelled correctly and, and registered. And, you know, the building has to be right. Hotel rooms are, it's a separate business just to run, make sure everybody can get a hotel room or, you know, that I'm kind of a stickler at times at, on times for conferences, you know, if we say we're going to start at nine, I'll give you till 9.03. (laughs) But to the same thing, I'm checking mics at 7 a.m. because something's going to go wrong between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m. and you better be ready for it. So but check the mics at 7 and things to be sure everything's ready so that you can handle, you know, what's going on. It's again, the details for a good conference and a good trade show there's a lot of them and you don't just do it in, you know, people think, oh, you, you take all year to do this. Yeah, we do take all year to do this. You know, yeah. you know, for the one coming up, we're sold beyond where we were just, you know, just a couple of months ago with the event and things. So okay. there's a lot of activities and, and things that, that have to happen. So how many would you estimate events you've put on since you started your own company? <laughs> I lost count, Harry. I really, I lost count. <laughs> I have some friends in the industry and we were trying to come up with that number and we couldn't. So we were even just trying to figure out how many times we've been to Vegas alone. <laughs> and we couldn't come up with the number just the times we've been in. Because there are times that I've been into Vegas at events. You know, some people go once or twice in their life. There's times that we're going, you know, six or eight times a year. 
And there are times, you know, being from New York, if you have meetings that I've literally numerous times gotten on a plane in the morning, fly out to Vegas, have a meeting, have dinner, have a breakfast meeting and fly home, not even on the ground 24 hours. So we basically fly. (laughs) My kids say, Dad, you flew to Vegas for dinner? (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah, I did. Yeah. The good thing about uh, Vegas is there's always a ton of cheap flights in and out. So. <laughs> well, with the price of oil these days, that's uh, <laughs> it's starting yeah. to go up. So, but yeah, yeah, there's. So I'm really curious, Brian, with all your experience and all the events you've put on, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into into Icon. But can you tell a story about? We'll do both sides. First is one that didn't go so well. You don't have to get into specifics if you don't want to, but I'm just curious because you, we, and it's all about ups and downs, you know, in business. And I'm wondering if there's one that comes to mind and it didn't go well and what happened. I'll do two quick ones if it's okay. I'll do first. There was one. Yeah. We were doing the International Fancy Food Show in San Francisco. And if you know San Francisco at all, the Moscone Center is on, I think it's on fourth street or whatever it is on. And we were using both sides of the street and a protest started for there was, and I was on a TV camera, got caught, you know, talking to an eight foot tall goose in the middle of the street because they were protesting goose liver pate and there I was on the TV trying to do it. You know, you know, they had some validations and stuff. We took it, but being on TV on it. And, uh, but then there was another one. I can remember we were in Vegas putting on a show and we needed to get a jet, an airplane, a jet onto the show floor. It was a brand new Raytheon at that time. It was $12 million. So. It has to fly into McCarran, uh, well, which is Harry Reid now, and they have to defuel it, and then they have to get a special tug, as they call, and tug it up the street to get it to the convention center. So we're going along, and and we're kind of following it along, and we have to go by a number of bars on the way, and there's people that are, it's it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, people are coming out of the bars looking as, am I really seeing an airplane come up the street? Well, yes, you are. But the funny thing about it is, is that we get to the door and the door is 48 feet wide and the plane is 53. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So, but, you know, these guys are experts. They actually tipped it in. They put the nose in and actually it started going in oh, wow. nose first and everything. And at a certain point, they turn it and flip it and backed it in. And I was like, well, <laughs> oh, no, another round, please. And everything. And they got it in and we... <laughs> And we, uh, and it was great. It was wonderful. There's, you know, all kinds of stories, you know, some good, some bad and things, you know, because you can't put thousands of people together and have everybody happy. We try, but you know, there's medical issues that pop and things that happen on show floors. So you have to be ready, you know, at all times. And there's sometimes you just, you never know what's going to happen and things, you know, we have to have medics there because, you know, people even, you know, from you know, a scratch with a Band-Aid to more severe things that, that have happened, I think so. But it's... Uh, yeah, allergic reactions or accidents or... <laughs> heart attacks, epileptic seizures. Yeah. I, we did gaming shows and the lights, the flashing lights will react on, oh, on yeah. folks. I think so there's a lot of things that have happened. But the story is, for me, it's fun. I can't see myself ever doing anything else on it. So it's, you know, it gets in your blood and it's it's a lot of fun producing yeah. events. And the team that I work with, you know, we mentioned Suzanne Suzanne Pruitt. There's another person, a woman who just called me while we were on, you know, Dawn Jeffrey. She's an expert 
in there. Nancy, I've known for many years. Nancy Hallberg yeah. thinks is, is, has been great. I've met a lot of people. Jim Pantaleo, who has helped us tremendously. And, you know, folks like that have just been, you know, Kyle Barnett is taking his, you know, taking over the reins to helping us develop content and things. So these folks, you know, without this path, I wouldn't know. And, and all along the path, there's so many people I've met. It's been a tremendous sector. So talk to me a little bit about the your relationship with Indoor Icon. When did that start? Like, how did it get on your radar even? I'm just curious, you know, how that happens. Well, we purchased Indoor Icon in December of 2018. And, you know, I mentioned earlier the SATCON event that we did. And, you know, it when I'm kind of half kidding when I say it actually was rocket science. It was a lot of folks that were building, you know, satellites and sending them up to the sky. So we worked with a lot of engineering folks and they were building something new. You know, the satellites, you know, had been in place, you know, for communications with the U.S. government and things along that lines. But then it was getting more into broadcasting. And what happened with Indoor Ag is I saw almost a parallel there because it's a growing sector of something new that's developing and, you know, farms producing, you know, agriculture, things, you know, indoors and everything. So, wow, this looks a little similar to what I was doing before because there's a lot of there, a lot of things that have to happen to make it work. And yeah. so that was the relationship for me. And I saw it in the satellite sector where things have to go in the right direction and things. And I'm seeing this, the same thing here. As indoor farms develop, you know, there's a lot that goes into them. You know, a budget has to be created. You know, it, 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 I almost look at it as a train cars. You know, they have to be lined up correctly and all going in the same direction. Because if one is off kilter, well, you know, that's going to be a problem. on You know, everything from, you know, the building itself, you know, whether it's a greenhouse or, you know, an old warehouse that you're converting, you know, from substrates to seeds to watering to, you know, what product are you going to produce? Who are you going to sell it to on it? And so all of that has to be developed into a plan including pricing and cost and everything. So all of those items have to be developed into a plan before you go. Well, you might be able to jump in somewhere in between, but you know, entrepreneurship is really evaluating the risk or taking an opportunity. But things have to line up and all happen in the right direction for a success. How much have, has this been a learning experience for you about uh, the vertical farming industry? A lot. <laughs> when I was a kid, I never remember a time of not having a garden in my backyard. You know, my, my dad, God rest his soul and everything. I can remember when before I could walk, there was a garden in the backyard. Uh, we grow tomatoes and different products and peppers and, and things my father would do. And I, I still have one today. And, you know, my father taught me how to garden and things. So as far as specifically to indoor ag... It's a whole new renaissance looking at what can be done. You know, I'm seeing some of the things that, that go on. You know, when I mentioned indoor ag, you know, most times people who aren't aware of what's going on, say, oh, you're that, you know, you're into marijuana, growing marijuana. Indoor. Well, that's, uh, you know, <laughs> that's kind of the small end of it. You know, not everybody, you know, not everybody is into marijuana, but everybody's into eating. So that's why we kind of watch it. So to see what's happening and the way the trays and the rolls and, the, you know, just thinking of a warehouse filled with farms and, you know, farming things and the way it can grow indoors and, you know, sustainability and the, the, the cheer of local and fresh that folks want. This is the indoor ag is answering awful lot of questions, you know, and help a lot of folks, you know, those are just some of it, but, but also, you know, climate change and, you know, fires and wind and drought areas, uh, things that are, that are happening, you know, this helps answer a lot of questions. Yeah. So 2018, you purchased Indoor Icon to so talk about that journey, building it up. And, and I, I'm curious about what you look for 
in an event when you decide to either, you know, purchase it or partner with it, you know, what I'm sure there's financials and opportunities that you look at as well, but you probably have a vision for where you can take it. I mentioned the satellite event that we did. It was an exciting time. You know, that was in the, the, the way, the actual first thing to put me onto, onto the satellite industry is I saw an article in USA Today that said, Bill Gates invests $13 billion in Teledesic. Well, nobody even knows what Teledesic was anymore. And it frankly it didn't work. And we believe that we actually made more money on, on the satellites than Bill Gates did. <laughs> so, so, you know, it was the same comp- kind of opportunity here where I, where we saw something that we feel you know was helping helping folks at that time was communication and now it's you know agriculture and growing and I think so so we saw and so you know we we did purchase it in December of 2018 and five weeks later you know that was early five weeks later in January so even through the holidays we found ourselves in Singapore <laughs> on the other side of the planet <laughs> working <laughs> on it and so we was rush 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 and then we came back and we realized that we had to have an event in May because because we were there, but we didn't have a venue or anything to do. So again, we were rush, 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 you know, to we signed agreements in February to do an event in May to do so. We were really rush, rush, rushing on it. So as soon as we concluded that event, I kind of said to our team, all right, time out. (laughs) We have to take a breath here (laughs) because we wanted to really look at it. And one of the first things I looked at was I thought to myself and our team and I said, how can we do Singapore when we don't have under control what we are here in the United States and everything? So why don't we forego Singapore for now, you know, you know, it was part of the purchase and things and everything. So we decided not to do that. And we, what we decided to do is, okay, we're going to reset everything because it was a different event in 2018 and 2019 when we first got it. There was a lot of manufacturers and, uh, you know, talking to manufacturers, which is great on it, but I felt that it needed something more than that. You know, talking to manufacturers is great, but there's no real commerce going on. You know, we, we needed to bring in, you know, the, in events, it's a buying and selling arena and a networking area. And that's what they're looking to do. So we got everything ready. And, you know, through the summer of 2019 into the fall, into January of 2020, and we're all ready to go in 2020 when the great pandemic stepped up and pushed us right out the window again. <laughs> so, you know, there's no sense of going on that. Everybody knows, you know, what was happening with the pandemic and things. So we, we had to postpone. And, you know, when we postponed, it was very tough to, you know, a little, you know, everybody got a little deflated feeling with the pandemic, no matter what they did. And so, sure. you know, when we were all excited about having the new environment and some of the new relationships that we created was great. But so we had to postpone 2020. And in the meantime, I have a relationship with a number of other event producers and I know the folks that I'm friends with a lot of folks in a lot of different sectors and know the folks that were producing the National Grocer Show. So one morning when I was having coffee and things, I called my friend and I said, hey, I think there might be an opportunity for us to co-locate and things. And just then I spilt my coffee a little bit. And, you know, right behind that, I spoke to my friend and she, and I said, would you, what would you think of us co-locating together and then she spilled her coffee <laughs> and then <laughs> and she said oh my god Bri, that's exactly what we're looking for i uh, think so the short story is okay here we go we're, we're going off in in my mind and in their mind what we're not competitors we should be allies you know what does yeah. you know the indoor agriculture you know the end of agriculture is harvest and sale you have to sell it to it so grocers 
are a big consumer and they have their thumb on the pulse of what the consumer wants. I think so it was an opportunity for us to kind of get together and build a relationship with the National Grocers Association. So we're all set to do it in the spring of 21. <laughs> and we actually got pushed out again a little bit because of COVID. And uh, the National Grocers had to move into another venue. We couldn't fit alongside. So we said, okay, let's go. To- Let's just take another time out and everything where they went their way and we went into Orlando in in October of 21. And then we decided to come back together. We said, we're getting back together again. And that's what we did, you know, this, you know, just a few months ago at uh, Caesars Forum. So, and along the way, what we've done is, is, you know, We've created relationships, you know, and we've created a board like, you know, Greg Ferrara is the executive director of the National Grocers Association. He's on our board and, you know, a great consultant on it. So, you know, that's what we're looking to do. Part of the story is, is that we were, it was a show where manufacturers were speaking to manufacturers and what we've morphed it in is just to really an event where commerce can happen. It's an important arena for manufacturers to talk to, talk to folks and we deliver what we believe is the best content on there. And, you know, that, that brings in the farmers and grocers and things and people who are actually use the equipment and things. So, you know, we, you know, it's worked, you know, um, we were talking earlier about my dad and, 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 and farming and that kind of thing. But what I am here is I'm not, you know, someone who's in agriculture deeply and things. I'm an event person who understands it and does things. And our charge is, is to, is to bring the buyer sellers together to network and find out what went right. But most of the time, finding out what went wrong is more important than what went right. (laughs) So, you know, and where's the money? You know, Department of Agriculture, are they giving out money? Is it going to the indoor forks or are they going to the traditional farmers and things? So so there's a lot of these questions and answers and folks coming in and whether they own a farm or they're looking to start one or things, they need the answers. And we believe we're the de facto arena right now to come in and learn and see and put everything together to make it happen. You mentioned the, the bringing people onto the board. Is that one aspect of in your prior experience with events that's important in terms of having the, those subject matter experts, those leaders of the industry to provide that sounding board for you when you create these types of events? 100%. They, you know, I mentioned uh, Greg Ferrara. Uh, there's other folks from other sectors that we've been working with on it, but they have their finger on the pulse of what's going to happen not only today, but in five years from now, you know, what are they hearing from, you know, the other growers or grocers or the cannabis sector or you know, any of these sectors, the, the buildings? We were actually at one point going to co-locate with the International Shopping Center Council that is all about shopping centers. Like, well, what are you doing with shopping centers? Well, shopping, there's one facility and, you know, caution memory in use here that I believe it's in Culvert City or just outside of Chicago. There's a Target store that's been redeveloped into an farm. Well, doesn't that make sense? If you're going to a facility like that where you can get local and fresh produce, why not? And use the products that way. What's interesting is that there are, when you get these people from different industries, there is that overlap because, you know, the grocers association that was present at, you know, where you did the co-location to your, you know, exactly what you just said, the fact that in vertical farming, you're creating the produce, you're going to have to market it, you're going to have to sell it. And it's, there's going to be an overlap of the, some of the same challenges that people face. And, and there's learnings that can be helpful on both sides. Harry, you, you, that gets to what I mentioned earlier. It's like a train and a bunch of cars. They have to be uh, loaded and, and set correctly. You know, you can't have the caboose out front or it's going off the track. And so 
You know, when if you're building a farm, in my mind, is, you know, where do you start? Do you start at building it or do you start on who your customer is going to be? Are you selling it to a restaurant? Are you going direct to consumer? Are you going to, you know, grocers or who's your thing? So, and then you have to line up the trains a long time and you might have to put one in front of the other to make it happen. Packaging and every other portion or segment of the of the business has to be evaluated. It has to, it, there's cost to, to everything. So even before you grow anything, or sell anything. Is there going to be profit at the end? Maybe not if you're just starting in things and you want to get investors in and everything. But eventually, you know, a profit has to be seen, you know, somewhere through the process on it. So so when I imagine for these types of events, and this is similar to myself because I, I own a uh, an, an agency, so a podcast production agency, and, I, and I'm big on procedures, checklists, standard operating procedures. And and also, I come from the project management world. I, I worked in marketing at, at JPMorgan Chase and, and E-Trade, so bigger corporations that had teams. And this concept of the postmortem was always really helpful when we had big projects. And I'm, I imagine for events, you know, getting the group together and saying what worked, what didn't, what can we change, what was helpful for each time one of these is run is probably a critical, important phase in everything you do. Critical. And we like to talk to folks as well and get their input. You know, we love hearing, boy, you guys did a great job and everything. And we love hearing that. But more important is, is tell me what went wrong. Tell me what you didn't like. Because if you tell me everything was great and everything, great, we'll do it again. But, you know, we are always looking for you know, input on how to grow, how to change, how to make it better. Because, you know, it even our tagline here was, you know, growing your business and things. So this is a business and we look at it, uh, not just the event as a business, but how do we make this business work better? You know, we've been working with the folks from Plenty, Aero Farms, and, you know, the, the usual suspects there, you know, those types of you know, app harvest, you know, all those types of folks who are, you know, deep into the sector and things, you know, they have great stories, some of them good. Some of them bad, and you know, well, you know, or learning experience. I shouldn't even say bad. I should, they're learning experiences because you know, okay, we pick up the flag and keep moving it forward. Yeah. And so, what were some of the takeaways from the recent event in Vegas? You know what? Here was a complete fumble on my part. Is we had lunch for folks. We didn't have a vegan option. That. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was kind of like a pie in the face kind of scenario and things and embarrassing that we didn't have that. But, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, we're at an agriculture event where, where people are there and you don't have a vegan option. You know, that's, you know, fr from the facility and, and things. And, and, you know, you know, that's, you know, we're so concentrated on the experience and, and folks having, you know, a good time or they're having, you know, you know, whatever the experience is and everything. But that one little thing was like, what do we, that was not good <laughs> and everything. So, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, the content was great. The relationships, the event is growing. When we were in Orlando, we had 50 booths on the event. Usually you want a full year run on it, but, you know, we didn't. We had to go again in uh, February slash March there. We had 80 booths on. And right now, you know, for next year, you're, we're always hoping to get like 70% and things. Well, we're gone from 80. We already have 120 sold for next year and more folks coming on. We're going to top out at about 150 booths or, or more of it. Wow. But it's, and you know, that's a testament to, you know, Suzanne and Dawn and, and Nancy and the team and Jim Pantaleo and Kyle, you know, all helping us, you know, uh, grow the event because it's like the engine of a car. You know, all the pistons have to fire in the right order to make it work. Or, you know, I always try to say, well, you know, when we're alone and we're playing a violin and everything, it's all squeaky. But, you know, when we get there, it has to sound like a symphony. So that's, uh, that's what our goal is. 
So I asked you for some of the not so memorable moments. So on the flip side of that, you know, I imagine the beauty of, of events and I've experienced it from my corporate days. I would attend the, you know, the, the business intelligence conferences. So really corporate stuff. And then in the podcasting world, I've, I've attended multiple podcasting conferences. I'm friends with some of the organizers of podcast movement. So, and I've made friends, friends that are, you know, lifetime friends. And it's, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic. For me, I call it like a high school reunion because sometimes you go and you'll see them once a year and you won't see them anywhere any other time. And and as you start to build, it starts to become like a family. We're headed to Podfest in Orlando run by uh, my friend Chris Kramitzos. And it, the reason we go every year and we missed it the past two is because it's very community. We go and, and they do a great job. They do a, a gratitude ceremony. It gets harder and harder to do the bigger it gets, but everyone gets 30 seconds to come up and saying, what are they most grateful for the past two or three days? And then when you start hearing people in their own voices, like, oh, I met this person or I had a great conversation, it really like a nice kumbaya feeling, which is hard to do in a big event. So I'm really, you know, I'm all for like the magic that can happen at conferences. And I'm wondering if there's some like highlights and of all the ones you, you've been to where you've had some like fond memories. You know, it's pretty much right in line with what you've, with what you've mentioned. It's friends, it's shaking hand, it's putting together. And actually I get a thrill out of watching business grow things that, you know, were, you know, one thing one year and then the next year go, holy cow, look at that thing and how it's grown. You know, I met with, you know, we were putting together some of the CEOs of Indoor Agriculture together with, you know, some of the folks over at National Grocers and things. And we, we want to be doing more of those types of things. So, you know, it's and if that particular sector, not as many people came, but even the folks just in Indoor Agriculture that met, you know, they were saying, wow, it's great to see you. Even though we're competitors, we're on the same field here and we're, we're shaking hands. And, you know, I noticed that you're targeting this area and that area and why and things. So folks who don't get the opportunity to to meet and talk, just standing around with a beer in their hand chatting for uh, for a few minutes was great. You know, we did a pre-event for our speakers and some VIPs at Top Golf. And I had never been to Top Golf in Vegas before, but I was there. Oh, right, correct, correct. And so what did you think of Top Golf? <laughs> I mean, I, I thought it was great. So yeah, it was fun. I mean, I'm not a golfer, so I, I, but honestly, what's funny about it is if you get a good conversation, it's a win. And I got to speak to, I forget the gentleman's name, but from the gentleman from Walmart. Yes. Who is, you know, coordinating all the events happening and what Walmart is doing, which was totally random because he wasn't playing. He wasn't assigned to a group. And we just happened to strike up a conversation. My partner, Natalie, was there and the three of us were just chatting and you know, now I've reached out to him and, and you know, he's not ready to, to tell their story yet, but he's going to come on the show. And, and that wouldn't have happened had it not been for yeah, baby. meeting yeah. there. So. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's about. And that's really what it's about is putting folks together. And it's, you know, I'll mention the, the, the fancy food show again. You know, there was so many people used to come to us. It goes, well, why don't you put the cheese in one aisle, the chocolate aisle in, a, you know, in another aisle and the mustard and everything in an aisle so people can get in an easy way. We're not doing that and everything because people who are go to the cheese, they go to cheese and turn around forget they forgot that they needed to pick up pasta and they needed mustard and, and things to go with it so you yeah, mix yeah. it together for the exact reason you just mentioned on it uh, another thing i wanted to mention too is you know during the pandemic uh, we did our indoor ag conversations on it and what that w was about is, is we wanted to make sure that we were in touch with the community and just not go away and a lot of event producers were producing these things all that were going all day long and everything. And, you know, and yeah. they were days long and they were trying to reproduce a trade show, you know, through the, the magic of Zoom and the computers and things. And oh, yeah. we thought, 
well, oh, you know, what are we going to do? And our indoor ag con, we wanted to keep the name out there and, and deliver good content because that's what we're known for. Yeah. So that's where indoor ag conversations, you know, came up. I think so. They were an hour long. We typically started at two o'clock in the afternoon. And, and we started at two o'clock. When we said two o'clock, bam, off we go. And at 2.45, we're messaging folks that are speaking, saying, okay, it is now time for questions for 15 minutes. 15 minutes at three o'clock, we're going because the people's time is valuable on it. And it worked great. We're getting all kind of accolades. That's starting up again. I think our we're going to have one on June 1st is coming up. So our, our conversations, because people enjoyed it. One hour of in-depth, concentrated information delivered in, in an hour and things so that you can, can get on, get off. It's not going to take your whole day and, yeah. and uh, just block the time for that particular hour and go. And then you have the rest of the day to yourself. So, you know, folks loved it. You know, we, we did them at no charge and everything during at that time just to, you know, say, you know, here we are, indoor ad conversations, you know, and get ready to come see us when we're live. Yeah. That's a, yeah, it's a great way because I think part of the challenge with the events, especially ones that only run once a year, is you want to keep that enthusiasm. Your team is obviously working furiously behind the scenes to make sure like what else needs to be done. And it is a full-time job to make sure you can replicate and improve the experience. But also the attendees, you know, you do have that community feel and you don't want to lose it within those 11 months, you know, for the next one. So that's a great idea. Absolutely. We don't have the full schedule out, but I know Suzanne had, we're locked and loaded for June 1st. There's another one coming behind it and there'll be more, more coming. You know, we were trying to do two to three a month, you know, during the pandemic and things, but now we're going to be strategic about it and, and things, you know, and a lot of it is, you know, starter information. And then the balance of the information is delivered at the event. And, you know, that we're going to be at Caesars Forum February 27th to 28th and 23rd, again, co-locating with the national grocers again. So we're confident that our, our content, we always want to, you know, we're going to be talking to our board, telling us what we should be talking about things for the future, converting that into a program, then getting folks to speak against the program and things in multiple rooms and things. So there's a lot of exciting things that, that we're getting ready and, you know, a lot of new things that, you know, we, don't, we I like to do things that I call them head turners. You know, I think that going with national grocers was a head turner. People like, like, you know, okay, people do events within their own sector and it's about this and everything. Well, sure. well, what does that mean? How does that work? It sounds really good. <laughs> so, so, and it worked really well. So that's why we're going to do it again, you know, this year. And then we'll look beyond. I'll reach out to, to Suzanne for my other passion, which started way before podcasting is DJing. So, <laughs> well, maybe we can do a There you go. <laughs> yeah, we're in for that. <laughs> that would be. be fun. So, Brian, I do want to just I'd be remiss, I think, to if I didn't ask you about the pandemic, especially since you're in the event space, I mean, you think about industries that were the hardest hit hospitality, you know, and live events is literally right up there. So, you know, without going too far down the rabbit hole, I'm just curious what, you know, when you look back at it, because it's easier to do that now, 2020, you know, hindsight is 2020. What did that experience teach you or what did you learn in terms of like resilience and you know, it's probably not something that anyone was prepared for by any means. But, you know, how did you as a leader, you know, work through that, what you pull from and, you know, what are your takeaways now that it's been like two years past? I wasn't a Boy Scout, but their motto is be prepared things. And yeah. it's very difficult to be prepared for something like a pandemic on it. And, you know, I feel for restaurants and airlines and hotels, you feel a lot, you know, for what they all went through and things. But frankly, our industry was even 
more than that. We were not allowed to meet at all, zero. So it was a full break stop on it. I was actually, I remember on Friday, March 13th, Friday the 13th, I was on the phone with the mayor's office of San Diego because we had an event coming up the 23rd to the 27th. So in two weeks, and you know, the mayor's office said to me boldly and frankly at that point, brothers, no more conversation. You're not getting the building and everything. So now we had all kinds of uh, things already on the way. So we had to stop truck and turn trucks around things. So so full stop, no business, complete stop to zero. The thought process was, well, maybe in April we can pick this back up in June, July, August, September. And, you know, the clock just kept on ticking and things. So, you know, you have to be nimble. There's two things I say to our team at times. It's, you know, if we run into a problem, it's not the problem. It's how you resolve it and, and get on the other side. And that was, that was conversations. And I also told them that, you know, the road to success is not a super highway. It's, it, you're not going there. It's a goat path. And if you can traverse the mountain and go up the mountain the way the goat does and everything from yeah. pillar to post and things, you can make it to the top and things. And that's, and that's what we're looking at. So, you know, how do we, you know, it's like bumper cars, you know, you hit with a bumper car and it's fun and all that kind of, you bounce off Well, you turn the wheel and then you go again and you bounce again. So if you're willing to do that, especially in a small organization or a growing arena, you can get there, but you have to be prepared and you have to really turn your brain a bit at times and everything. Cause if you keep on doing the same old thing and everything, folks might get a little tired of it or it just might not work. So be prepared and try to think outside of the box. When you hit, uh, hit something, you know, it might be an opportunity, not just, you know, a problem. And frankly, that's what happened with conversations. I don't even, you know, I'm not even sure. I think one day we were just thinking, well, conversations. Well, wait a minute. We're into our ad con. How about conversations? <laughs> and we were saying it to people, some people, and they're going, how did you think of that? Well, you know, you know, it was just, maybe we were on the bar stool when we thought of it, but yeah, it was just something that, that just popped for us and worked very well. And we were getting hundreds of people, you know, coming on, uh, on it and staying on the hour. And they were happy that they could come on, learn something quick. The only ones we did do investment at one time for conversations. And that was in six segments over two half days. So we did them in the afternoon on two half days because it's impossible to cover finance in one session because, you know, are you an entrepreneur? Do you need A level, B level? Are you want crowdfunding? Do you, know, do you need $1 million or do you need $100 million? Because it's a different arena. And that was the one that went a little bit longer. But again, folks, Ron, we were encouraging people, whether you were small, you better listen to all of these to listen to what the big guys are doing. And at the same time, what we were telling the big guys is, you know what, big guys and everything, you better keep an eye on being on all these from the beginning because all these smaller guys... Their goal is to eat your lunch. <laughs> so it, it's easier if it's plainly stated that this is the arena yeah. and how it and how business in the world happens. And it's the same thing in indoor agriculture. You know, that there's going to be folks that invest and make it. There's going to be some, though, and that might be, you know, acquired or not make it as so well. And yeah. again, I believe that some of the best learning moments are when things go wrong. Yeah, well said. And I, I mentioned it to Suzanne, but I'll have a follow up because uh, if you're not doing it already, make sure you, you get those out in public in a podcast format as well, because you've already created the content. And the beauty of podcasts is you can listen to them on the go. You don't have to be in front of a screen. You know, you can listen to them, pause whenever you want to. So make sure, repurpose that content. Make sure, you, you know, you've created it once. It's adding value and just make sure you get, you get it out there far and wide. Let's find a way for work together here, Harry. <laughs>
Yeah. So where did you learn the this, this resilience, Brian? I think it was from my older brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, because I come from a very close family and uh, yeah. there's, you know, a lot of things that happens in everyone's life. I'm no, uh, you know, I have, you know, success and tragedy in my life, just like, like everybody. So I think part of it is, is, you know, understanding, you know, things and shouldering things, you know, from a big supportive family. And we kind of work together. If somebody needs an assistance, you know, if we think of it as like lifting a table, if it starts to slip on one side, we kind of roll over and, and yeah. help each other. You know, again, I have a family that's unbelievable that have helped me in times of trouble and, and things. So it's really, you know, finding a way to get to the other side and trying to think outside of the box. You know, when you hit the wall, you know, back up a little bit, take another look at it. And maybe you have to go a little bit to the right or the left and then move forward, you know, because there's, you know, a lot of T's in the road and everything. Do you go left or you go right and things? And Sounds like the jet story from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> at two o'clock yeah. in the morning when the jet won't go through the door <laughs> the show must go on <laughs> but the other thing that comes to mind is this idea of you having the support of family and i think inherently what you've done through your organizations and through your businesses and you create a family yourself you know and indirect con is its own family and, and i think that it must permeate like your experiences with your family are translating into the relationship you have with your team. It's a hundred percent. It is a family. You know, I mentioned Jim and Suzanne and Dawn and Kyle and Nancy and me and Terry is another person who helping as well. I rely on, you know, earlier today, I was speaking with a friend of mine for 30 years. He is in the event industry and we're just calling each other, you know, for, you know, frank consultations or what would you do here? Or how would you do here? And can we work together or, you know, what's new? So, um, there's, I have, you know, my own family. I have the indoor ag family. I have industry families and things. So it's one of, I mean, you, you could probably tell in my tone that this is a sector that I fell into and I love it's lights, camera, action. There's success, there's failure and trying to do it right. And, and uh, I can tell you that next year we will have vegan lunches at <laughs> San Diego. <laughs> Vegas. Yeah, it's all a function of like being able to recognize your mistakes and then moving on from them and then just getting better next time. It's not the problem, it's how you handle it. It really, yeah. there was an event a couple of weeks ago and the, the catering, you know, there, we, we were going to have, you know, I think it was a lunch for, oh no, it was a reception. And suddenly we realized that the catering company put on the wrong date and they said, no, 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 this event is tomorrow. No, it's not. It starts in <laughs> half an hour. So. How do you oh fix God. it? Well, first thing you do is you get a you know a couple of cases of uh, soft drinks and you wheel them in on ice while they're fire up the ovens and you put in a couple of things, some bags of chips and everything. And, and the audience <laughs> never even knew what happened on it because we were able to kind of yeah, do yeah. it. But again, it's not the situation. It's how do you handle it? And there used to be a commercial that said, never let them see a sweat. <laughs> Never let them see oh, sweat. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. And, and that's it. Test the mics before they get up there. <laughs> so. Yes, exactly. Have that checklist. You know that flight checklist when flights when pilots take off. I mean, there's there's a book called The Checklist Manifesto that talks about the 150 things they have to literally make sure are you know are checked off before that plane leaves the ground. It's absolutely the same. We the the, the conference will start at nine. 
We're there at least by 7, and some of the staff is usually there yeah, by 6, 6.15 because the folks are registering, those types of things. We want to make sure that when they walk in, that, here, that it, it's right. people don't want to wait in lines. So you make sure that the badges, well, here we go. Do you print them out ahead of time? My name is spelled wrong. How do we correct it? Okay, you come over here. You know, all the processes of things, and it's experience. And we have a wonderful, experienced team. Well, Brian, I really enjoyed this conversation. I, you know, just I love your backstory. I love your energy and your enthusiasm. It, it's clear you're doing what you were meant to do. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da! And it's it's and I'm glad to hear that it lights you up every day, and and it feels like it's something you'll be doing for the rest of your life. Absolutely. I don't know that I could ever do anything anything else. And it truly is is the team. You know, Suzanne, Dawn, Nancy, Kyle, and Jim, and Terry, and the extended teams too, because we work closely with you know Caesar's forum. There's a lot of folks that, that work there, the national grocers, you know, our board members and, and things and, you know, and morphing it into indirect conversations. So there's a lot of things that we do that we really enjoy. We enjoy the industry, the secretary, you know, just meeting, you know, all the folks in the industry. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's really good. Where there's some sectors that are cutthroat, you know, on it where people don't want to sure. do things, but this industry is really lighting up and it's, uh, you know, not only the industry, but their faces as well. Yeah. So uh, given that you know who the audience is for this podcast, is there a specific ask you have for the listeners of the show? Uh, listen to Indoor Ag conversations. I think you're, you're going to like that. Yeah. You know, watch for our registration. We're going to open up our registration pretty soon, usually. And it's, it's pretty early, probably, you know, I'm going to say June 1st, but it might be like June 15th that we have things register. So, and it's always best to register early because you save more and everything. We you know we can count on things and everything. So, yes. but yeah, we, we'd love to see you and stop by, say hello to us and everything. We love to shake hands. And now that we can shake hands again and then. <laughs> <laughs> and and or fist, fist bump, or fist bump. <laughs> exactly. You know, wear masks or, you know, or elbow bump. We are so open and things. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask or anything. You know, we're you know, yeah. you know, we do encourage folks to get along and you know, hopefully the, the pandemic is close to being in, in the back sure. window. So we want to do that. But you know, share, meet people. And when you go to events, the, the core thing to do is to meet people. Go and, and shake hands and introduce yourself. I, I said, Yeah, get out of yeah, your comfort zone. Exactly. Get, and network. This business is, uh, most business is done by networking. So come on in, come on by and network. That's, uh, that it's doing a service to yourself. We love it because people actually take time out of their business to work on their business when they come to Indoor Icon. Yeah. And I think we can chat offline about some ideas that I've seen that have worked at others' conferences. A podcast movement had red, yellow, and green buttons that you could wear prominently to indicate whether you wanted no contact a fist bump or you're a hugger. <laughs> so you could kind of, you know, visually communicate that to people as well, which I thought was cool. We were looking into wristbands to accomplish the same thing on it. So absolutely. But, but bottom line is there, it's a shower of, of information and things. So the, the best thing to do is kind of get out a bucket and collect as much as you can and everything. So, you know, good information is great. Bad information is great too. To at least know what you don't want to do. Yeah. So the website is indoor.ag. We'll coordinate with Suzanne to make sure there's a special offer for listeners of the show as well, because we did that last time. And we had some, some, we, I had someone who was a regular listener to the show and attended indoor ag because of my recommending it. And then he wrote me this long email and he said, thank you for mentioning the conference. I hadn't heard about it. I went, I had a good time. So that made me feel really good as well. Absolutely. We're open arms. Let us know and let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what we're doing wrong. If you have a suggestion on content and everything, we're always, because we want to deliver what everyone would like to hear. 
Perfect. So indoor.ag is the site. Anywhere else you want to direct folks to or have them connect with you at all? No, that's it. Everything will be there for, you know, conversations. You know, we do uh, content too. So you watch for our information. You know, Suzanne sends out a newsletter. So we're doing newsletters. We're doing indoor ag conversations and the live event. And, you know, you never know. Some other things might be popping up one of these days soon. Yeah. And so you get you have time in between now and the next event to work on your poker skills as well, which I am going to be doing. <laughs> I'm in Vegas. I mentioned I've been in Vegas more than I can count. I don't gamble at all, <laughs> actually. You know, uh, I'm a. a oh, there you go. Fan, there you so. go. I, yeah, yeah. yeah I buy a lottery fun. ticket when it's three hundred million. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, Brian. I really enjoyed our conversation and, and uh, you spending time with us. All right, great. You too. Thanks, Harry. Thanks. Have a good day. Thanks to Brian for coming on the show. Always appreciate the hour my guests share with me and with you and opening up themselves and sharing a bit of their personal story and their business journey, which is very inspiring. And it's a testament to all the hard work that they've put in to get to this point in their careers. So I just love having these conversations. Special thanks to our season five title sponsor, Cultivated. If you are looking into a vertical farm or don't know where to start or which technology would suit your needs, reach out to them today. Best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Learn more at cultivated.com, and that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com. Just leave it at that last E. And don't forget to tell them Harry sent you. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Learn more at fullcast.co. And as a reminder, if you're enjoying this show, leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP, and we'll be sure to read that out on a future episode. Nothing would make my day more. Tune in next week for my conversation with yet another fascinating leader from the world of vertical farming, Jamie Burroughs, CEO of Vertical Future. Until we meet again, here's to your health. Thanks for listening. To read the full show notes for this episode, which includes any links mentioned in the episode, as well as a full show transcription, visit verticalfarmingpodcast.com. There, you can sign up for our email list to be notified when new episodes are published.